your skeletons and shivers down your spine. Shrieking skulls will shock your soul and seal your doom tonight. Spooky, scary skeletons speak with such a screech. You'll shake and shudder in surprise when you hear these zombies shriek. I don't know what the story is. I don't know what the story is. That's the show, folks. See ya. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. On the last episode, we ran through a hypothetical of you, me, Django Phillips, who was on the episode with me, and Franz McBoo, who running through one of the scenarios. And I swear to God, I had to have done. We're the Monster Squad. No. Yes. We were definitely. Yes, we were definitely supposed to walk around our... So the, the idea was we were supposed to walk around the house by ourselves. Mm-hmm. And... We're talking about I your said, house? Yes, I said the, my the house, all, house, all three levels were all supposed to just stay away from each other. That's the point. Mm-hmm. And believe me, in this scenario, like we're supposed to avoid each other. And, oh man, it was some kind of pagan shit where we had to do like a blood thing before it. We had to chant, and then we had to walk around the house with a candle by ourselves. And I don't think it was Midnight Man. It was like a multi-person Midnight Man. Okay. But anyway. Um, and why do you I think sh- I would go crazy? I would go nuts. I just... Because you, know, you know how to psych me out? I just also don't... I think you underestimate how fucking creepy my house is at night. No, I know how fucking creepy... Get some fog houses. machines up in here. Yeah, it's it's Turn scary the without the out. fog machines. Yes. It's scary. It's scary with the lights off. And we're watching. We're sitting here watching a horror movie. And out of the corner of my eye, I think I see something like standing, a shadow standing move. in exactly. your bathroom. I deal with that. And I remember every that time day. that we watched Blair Witch, and you were just like, "Yeah, watch out for the Blair Witch," and there's behind the shower curtain. I was like, "No, stop!" <laughs> ah, I freaked I myself out. Like, like, they didn't want to go so into your So you know bathroom. what I would... I don't think I said this in the hypothetical, but now having you react that way, I would probably, like, just be within, like, distance of you to fuck with you, but not technically be around you. What happens if it's the thing that makes me game. snap and I just hone in on the sound and I just fucking slaughter them? <laughs> You're not allowed person. to walk around with fucking weapons. It's a ritual. What do you dude? call these? <laughs> fucking bare hands. Tickle you. Get, get out of here. You're not Terry. Get out of here. You're not Terry the Tickler. He's never. A- okay, that that was a lie. As I was saying it, as it came out of my mouth, I was like, he's never tickled me. And then I was like, oh, he just has. immediately oh, remembered. He has. <laughs> That's a real we were, creepy laugh. We were so young. <laughs> we did stupid shit when we were younger. We all did. We all did questionable things. Oh, uh, yeah. Good times. Yeah, I guess. Uh, so this is, uh... This is Lats Pasta. That it is. It's been, uh... It's been two weeks. Go it's been two weeks since we recorded. So... I, uh... A lot of stuff has happened. I'm gonna do a shout-out. My friend from episode... 20, uh, Gnarly Charlie proposed to his girlfriend. Congratulations. She's a real cool chick. I loved smoking weed in North Carolina with you guys last week. It was fucking, oh, that's it was you fucking great. We, uh, we, we came, were trying to decide. We came back with shrooms. Some North Carolina <laughs> exclusives. <laughs> and uh, that might be later tonight. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Uh, yeah, we'll see at least to try it out. I I've never, I've never lost my fucking mind on a single stalk, you know. 
but you'll feel a little you'll see a little color maybe a little light show because we tried we tried doing streams before and it fucking sucked yeah they're, they're, they were old they were old they were old as shit they didn't have a taste and there's a taste when they're potent there's there's a taste these must be like fresh I just want to get them all to get them good I'm just because the simpler life. By the way. I haven't introduced you yet. Stop. We jumping. are. We are like ten minutes into this goddamn jump. recording. No. Well, let's fucking hurry this shit. No, up. not. Sorry. Uh, I'm Disco Dracula. Fuck. <laughs> Let me finish what I was saying. I, I'm gonna have to go sober in like two weeks' time, so the episodes might not be as more fun for me for like a month. No. <laughs> you'll have a great two time. months. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I'll be more serious about it. Um, can I get drunk? Yeah. For, for tests. You're fine. No, they could, for jobs, they could test for alcoholism, can't they? Are you sure you're not, are you sure you don't have that now? With the way you're slurring your words over there? Alcoholism. (laughs) Sound like me in fifth grade. No, I used, I used to drink like a lot and I don't like drinking anymore because of it. But if I have to be sober, I might as well do something that's legal. You're not wrong. Gin, gin. That's why the shrooms. <laughs> They're not legal. But why they'll you be say gin, gin? <laughs> I'm holding a bong and I was like... <laughs> <laughs> Bottoms up, fellas. <laughs> just start chugging this shit. You, you, no, you I just fresh-packed this. Who, who, who was up next? I think you were, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, you said you were good because you're a bitch. And then I took a hit, you motherfucker. No, you didn't. You're like, so I'm gonna introduce these two jets that I'm here with. Uh, this episode, we have playing spectator, Mr. Skellybones. Are back you color coded over there? I'm yeah, decked out in fucking purple. Traditional. Today. Like it's bad. I also have a. Uh, yeah, my hair's purple. My hoodie's purple. Too. My shirt's purple. I was color coded today too. You color coded. I, I was wearing a shirt. Startlingly a lot like yours. <laughs> it long sleeves. Yeah, no, we could have been twenty. I swear to God, it's like a red, white, and blue plaid. Thing. I remember the time yeah. we uh, wore the Say hello to all the ghoulies out there. Just <laughs> gonna be sitting here listening in. Yeah, we're, we. Uh, I mentioned that on other episodes we've played <clears throat> Spectator before. You've sat in on an episode with Django Phillips. Mm-hmm. Um, Terry the Tickler has played second fiddle in a, a lot of episodes. So it just means if you hear something funny, you think of something funny, feel free to chime in or feel free to give feedback when we read something. Primary guest of the evening is Disco Dracula. <laughs> Sounds nothing like the ending theme song. No, it doesn't. We're actually watching some more of that tonight. Good. The terribleness. Blue, free of the dark. I the last, that bad. the last few episodes that we watched with Mr. Skellybones, they were uh questionable. They were bad, very, mm-hmm. very bad. Not interesting at all. It's like they put all their profit, their yeah, all their profit, their budget, all their budget into like the, the first, first five episodes. Yeah, and they were just like, shit, we gotta do another one. What do we do, guys? <laughs> uh, just throw some tin cans on the ground over there, and uh, um, you put this costume on, and. Uh, I'm gonna take off my pants. You're not wrong though. Oh, and you black guy over there, you gotta get in our shop because we need a black person. It wasn't the one episode that we watched. It was like they were playing basketball and the white kid beat the the black kid at basketball. Yeah. And I was like, there's no way that would happen. <laughs> like I don't care yeah, who you no. are. It's Canadian. Unless goosebumps. you want to get spoopy. Yeah, we get spoopy. 
from I time to time. Yeah. I watched Santa Clarita Diet. Was not nearly as good as it had to be. Gravity Falls is kind of like a horror cartoon. Shut up. Dude, it is. Yeah, no, it is. But I haven't started it's like watching X-Files it. It's so X-Files the cartoon. Shut, shut, shut up. It's fucking good. Shut watch up. It. Everyone, just everyone, shut up. go watch Gravity shut Falls. Shut the fuck up. Legion is kind of cr- crazy okay. right now. It's okay, you're right. I like Legion. Legion's kind of creepy. It's like Twin Peaks, but X-Men. It's crazy. I haven't watched anything but anime. But that doesn't surprise anyone, does yeah. it? Maybe your waifu. My, it surprises my waifu that I watch so much anime. So, yeah. She just thinks you're at work all day. Are you talking about Nico? My Nico <laughs> fucking... You leave her out of this. <laughs> so this is a... Uh, is there any... It, it's just lost episodes? There's not like a... I think it's just a Like thread. a subtitle or anything? Yeah. Okay. So this is a lost episode. This found on Creepypasta. Correct. And it is I who is reading this. I don't want to burst anyone's bubble here. Odd place for a comma, I'm just saying that. I don't want to burst anyone's bubble here. Was there a pause between bubble and here in your sentence? There was not. No, I was implying that I read it better than you. Because there's a fucking comma there. Yeah, that's what he says. That's how you write that. No. Yeah, no, that's how you write that. Mm, fucking... Without the comma, it's saying there's literally a bubble right there that he doesn't want to burst. With the comma shut there, it's, it's a reference to who he's speaking to. I don't want to burst anyone's bubble here. So if you believe in haunted lost episode legends and enjoy living in that world, maybe this isn't the post for you. Don't get me wrong, I hate when people complain about lack of realism and entertainment. And I think all kids need to believe in Santa and the Tooth Fairy for as long as possible, but this is different. Back in the 80s, I met this dude, Sid who used to cut old VHS tapes and shit. It was more than a hobby for him. It was pretty much his entire life. His parents were a bit more wealthy than I'd been blessed with, so when we were teenagers and I was slaving away at his skates... Yes. Scats. (laughs) It's scats. (laughs) So when we were teenagers and I was slaving away at scats... Yes, scats. Fast food restaurant. He just hung out around the house, cutting tapes all day, all night. Of course, as you get older, things in your past become a bit clearer, and I think he might have been borderline autistic. Or maybe he was a very high-functioning person with that. As... Asperger's? Asperger's. Asperger's? Asperger's. I've never heard of it. Asperger's? Yeah. That just sounds so funny to me. Asperger's. I think in South Park, that's also what Cartman claims to claims to have. Probably. For like three episodes. But of course I'm no expert, and I'm not saying that that was the case. It's just the best and quickest way I can think of to explain his personality and this obsession with cutting tapes. Cutting tapes. Cutting tapes. It started when he saw Old Yeller as a little kid. For whatever reason, his parents let him watch that shit. If you're unfamiliar with it, it's the tale of a boy and his dog. I hope I don't have to announce the spoiler on such an old-ass movie, but in the end the boy has to shoot his own dog because it's rabid. Sid didn't appreciate this. His dad photographed and videotaped weddings, so he showed Sid how to operate some of the machines, and Sid cut out the ending, replacing it with an earlier, happier scene as if Old Yeller just suddenly got better off-screen. He watched the tape obsessively after that, even into his early teens when I first met him. He made me watch it once to show how he fixed it, and I could actually picture him as a little boy once he started applauding and cheering his own faux ending. I don't want to say I was a bad influence, but after I saw it, I asked if he could do that with other movies. My major interest was perhaps taking a film or two and cutting in some nude frames the actresses hadn't really done. Don't worry, though. I never had the guts to actually ask him if he would. 
I just imagined how cool it would be, often. Sid told me that yes, he could fix any movie he wanted. In fact, he had done it with a few others. He had a copy of a Ghostbusters cartoon. I shit you not, every single ghost was completely removed. There was no continuity, but he had accomplished it and I was very impressed. I guess in the time of VHS, these things seemed more magical than they do nowadays. As time went by, I encouraged Sid to edit more movies, but with different purposes. Instead of whitewashing all the scary stuff like he'd wanted to, I got him to see the light on how awesome he could make things. Somewhere out there, this chubby Star Wars nerd from our high school has all three original films flawlessly cut together with edited-in effects that would have made George Lucas himself cry out, ENOUGH MEDDLING! That's my George Lucas. It's good. Thanks. We charged him up like $20. We charged him like $20 for the only copy because we were idiots. Anyway, this went on for a while because I lost most of my interest in it. It was more of a goof for me than it was for him. This is the point where I started working, started driving, started taking bases with local girls while he just got more and more involved in cutting those tapes. Oh, it's like me with anime. <laughs> and me with the girls. Yeah. It's <laughs> the story of my life. I think his favorites were cartoons. When The Simpsons came around, he went ape shit on those. Now his edits weren't so much fixing things as just breaking them in interesting ways. Another thing that sticks out in my mind is when he recorded an episode of MASH and cut it with a gory old war flick. Halfway through his version, the camp gets bombed, soldiers invade, everyone dies. At the end, he specifically worked in freeze frames of each cast member's face, eyes closed. He had completely reversed his interests and embraced what had once terrified him. Scary endings. He seemed to love things like long, drawn-out sequences and terrifying silence. He'd make me be quiet while they played, too. You may have heard about this mysterious fellow named Banksy who goes around creating interesting graffiti and whatnot. At one point, he went into a music store and placed some Paris Hilton CDs with his own fakes. Banksy had nothing on Sid. Every other week, he'd tell me about some store or video rental place he'd snuck in some of his tapes to. He'd swap out the real ones for his versions, then he'd start all over by cutting the ones he had stolen. At one point, when I hadn't heard from him in a long while, I stopped by his parents' house and found him in the garage. He'd set up his own little movie studio there, complete with the drawing board. He was actually animating entirely new content. All at once, I was both blown away by his artistic skill I've never known before, and very concerned about when this guy was going to come out of the dark and start acting normal like me. He barely looked up from his drawings as we spoke. I asked him what any kid, now in his late teens, would ask. What the fuck is wrong with you? Hmm? Seriously, dude. This is some crazy shit. It's work. I'm working. My work is just as important as anyone else's. Are you even selling these anymore? Or are you just sneaking them into places? How much is all this costing your dad? I don't care. I looked at what he was so fervently illustrating. Is that a headless body? Dancing? Yeah. Evil Dead. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. That's pretty dark, man. I know. That's the point. I don't get it. Those tapes. I thought they were wrong, but over time I figured out the truth. Which is? The scary stuff is bright. The happy things are the lie. I mean, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. That's life. And, you know, Evil Dead 2 is a very good movie. Yeah. So this is about Sam Raimi's career. Oh, shit. He just kept drawing as I stood there. The silence was disturbing, and in that moment I could smell the B.O. coming off of him. It wasn't just sweat, either. It was a mingling of that and foul ass and piss-soaked cloth. I hate to say it, but I gave up on him right then. It's that moment when you look at someone, someone you thought you knew... 
and all that you can think is, holy shit, I never realized they were this far gone. It wasn't until I was in my 30s that Sid crossed my mind again. I was pursuing the internet, just aimlessly wandering the web, when I came across a series of urban legends about strange VHS tapes, recut movies, and lost episodes. So he's on Creepypasta. Some of these I recognized. I watched them with Sid, or I'd actually seen him in the middle of working on them. Every disturbing scene, every unbelievable anecdote, I believed it. Because I had been there. Others, Spongebob cartoons, episodes of iCarly or whatever, those shows came long after I had made a break with Sid. But the style was all too familiar. Even the ones that I that didn't sound like his work seemed like they could have been broken copies or attempts at mimicking his work. He was still doing it, and my god, it boggled my mind. I called up Sid's old number, not entirely sure if I'd find him there. It rang for minutes on end, and I knew that the search was hopeless. Even if he still lived with his parents, it wasn't likely they'd all still be at the same house by now, still. I made it a point to drive out to his old place to see if he was still in the garage, cutting tapes, or manipulating them via computer, or whatever he would be up to. When I passed by the house, the unkempt lawn was overgrown with huge, waist-high weeds. The dilapidated facade of the building, with its peeling paint on the shutters, missing roof tiles, and muck-filled gutters told me no one had lived here for a long time. I saw a note on the door, but couldn't read it from the road. Maybe it was something I could use to locate Sid and see if he'd ever gotten the help I now realized I should have given him. Pulling into the driveway, my headlights illuminated the garage door. It was windowless and vandalized with the gangster tags of some traveling band of assholes. The note on the door, as one might expect, spoke of a certain bank now owning that property. It noted that trespassing was heavily discouraged, and that at a certain point someone would be out to make sure the house was winterized, whatever the hell that is. As I walked back to the car, defeated, something was nagging at me. I knew that Sid's parents kept a spare key under a false rock by the back stairs, basically by virtue of Sid locking us both out on several occasions. When I found that key, a sense of cold, long dread swirled in my stomach. Who would move out and leave everything in place like this? The key was the most obvious thing, but flower pots and lawn decorations were still there. Sid's old rusted-out Huffy bike was leaning against the house, and had created thick, rusty streaks along the aluminum siding. I don't even know what I expected to find, but using the key, I entered the house. The smell was overwhelming. Not a pre- not a- Putrid. Putrid. <laughs> you, not, you never Putrid. liked that one. Not a putrid smell, nothing rotten or decaying, just the smell of- I don't know if this would make any sense to you, but the smell of electricity, like burning dust on a light bulb or a heater giving off a peculiar, oh, that's another one. Peculiar. Giving off a peculiar warm metal odor. That was the least of my concerns. However, as I saw everything just as I had left it, everything Sid's family owned was frozen in time. The dining room table we'd all sat at on many occasions was dust covered and supported an emaciated dead rat which had all but turned to dust. The television, that bulky, oversized television set we'd all sit around watching Sid's tapes and laud his creativity, and sat where it had always been, slightly displaying, displaying, slightly displaying, silently displaying a violent bombardment of black and white static. As I moved through the rooms, the sense of panic and discomfort within me only grew. Every fiber of my being was shouting, run, 
Run, you fucking idiot. Still, I pressed on into Sid's bedroom. It was now empty and in disrepair. His prized action figures and blank videotapes, hundreds of videotapes, stale and water damaged. I almost wanted to call out to shout Sid and wait for him to appear as if nothing was out of the ordinary. I went into his parents' bedroom. There, lying in bed, were two motionless bodies. Gaunt, gray, half-turned to dust, just like the rat in the dining room. I would scarcely believe what I was seeing with my own eyes. Not only were two dead bodies slowly dissipating within the confines of this once idyllic suburban household, but nobody had even checked on them. Nobody had discovered this until now. My mind raced, my heart raced, the only things that wouldn't move were my feet, which remained glued to the spot. Sid, I thought, must have done this. There was no way the two of them would just lie down one night and and die of natural causes. Sid had said he didn't care about his parents, and when was the last time I had seen them? God, I haven't seen them for days, maybe weeks before the last time I talked to Sid. When I finally left the room, I took out my cell phone and began dialing 911. However, as soon as I lifted it to my head, an ear-splitting shriek of interference nearly caused me to fling the object across the room. I rushed to the kitchen phone, squealing static. I tried the living room phone just to be thorough, static. It wasn't until I put the receiver back down that I heard it. Music. Faint, barely audible music that I hadn't realized before. It seemed to be some repeating melody, happy and light, some flutes, maybe a whole horn section. I followed the peppy tune to the in-house door to the garage. Pressing my ear to the door's dirty surface, I determined that the music was indeed coming from just beyond. Sid, I called out, barely managing to form the name with cold, bloodless lips. Sid, are you in the house? Are you alright? I tried the door only to find it somehow locked from the other side. It was no matter since one wild kick nearly knocked the rotting wood off its hinges. Sid? I shouted as the dust slowly cleared. Through the haze, I could only see the light of a television screen, vibrant colors, blue, green, yellow. Soon I could make out a cartoon playing on the screen, and the silver wires running from the set itself to some dark mass. Then the dark mass took shape as my eyes adjusted to the odd lighting. It was Sid, or rather his body, not dead nearly as long as his parents seated in an old office chair. The wires from the television set lead directly to his body, eventually disappearing into several old, crusted-over holes his leathery flesh. Through a small worm-eaten opening in his ribs, I thought I could see more metal inside of him. I walked to Sid's side, holding my hand over my mouth for fear of vomiting. His face was twisted into a hideous, wide grin. His empty eye sockets almost seemed happy, hooded by a pleased brow line. You don't want to do it? How would you do this? Hi there! Oh, I was going to do I was thinking the same thing, just really yeah. high-pitched. You can do it, though. That was good. Hi there! I heard a jarring voice. The voice was upbeat, high-pitched. It sounded almost like Sid, but different, bubbly, and cartoony. I turned to the screen. The green grass, the blue sky, the yellow flowers, and Sid. A perfect caricature of him. It strolled along the infinite loop of that utopian cartoon background. It waved to me. Sid, I whispered. Oh god, Sid. He, the cartoon version of him, turned his attention away from me and continued to merrily stroll across the unending cycle of the same backdrop. 
He passed a shrub, then passed it again, and again. The same bluebird, chirping happily, flew through the sky in a figure eight. Sid. I shook my head, unable to comprehend the scenario. I never should have let you leave reality. I thought about what Sid had done to his mom and dad. I thought about how the bank would come by soon, and this would all come to light. I watched Sid walk along for nearly an, a half hour. Then I unplugged the set. So this goes to show, if and when you're nearing the end of your life, and I and I catch you watching weeaboo shit on a screen for like 12 hours at a time. I'm gonna unplug, I'm gonna unplug your life support. Oh my god! <laughs> I mean, honestly, if I would get to the point, yeah, I saw that. That wasn't me, though. That was you. I saw it coming out of your fucking mouth. No, that was, some, that was this on the table. I liked that. If I get to the point where that I'm on like life support, a... fucking kill me anyways. I don't want to be that Yeah, old. no, I, I was gonna say the same thing to you. I don't want to be a fucking vegetable. If they say, if they say, uh, he, there's no coming back from this. Pull the fucking, fucking cord. Yep, done. Pull the fucking cord. I don't want to be a f- retarded. <laughs> it's not even that. I just don't want to, like, I don't want to move. I don't want to lose all my motor functions. I don't want to lose yeah. my emotions and my my thoughts and yes. my memories. Yes. When it gets to that point, just fucking, just fucking just take fucking me out me. like old Yeller and just, just fucking, fucking me. shoot me. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Just shoot me. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad we got that taken care of so this next story this one's from unsettling stories which i love reading with you because you always react so nicely to them call back to episode 13 my dick hurts please stop this one's called something horrible is happening to me on facebook yeah i don't know shit about facebook i started an account late last year to promote my website not much happened i plugged my facebook address pretty much everywhere i went and while fans trickled in and on one or two even shared some of the content I posted. My page wasn't growing nearly as quickly as I'd hoped. Fast forward a couple months, same problem. In total, I think my page was stuck around 100 likes. The majority of those were from the first week I started the page and a bunch of nice Reddit users felt sympathy for me and visited, clicked like, and never came again. I can't blame them, to be honest. I was in a creative rut. Very little new content was coming out, and whatever did reach completion was nothing but a rehashing of older, more popular stories I'd done in the past. I was hoping to piggyback on their successes. It didn't work. It was obvious that interest was waning. All this was coming at a bad time. My Tumblr, which had done spectacularly well for the first four months of its existence, was also stagnating. Followers were disappearing. Again, I can't blame them. Why follow a blog that just reposts old stories without putting anything out that's new or interesting? I'd reached a point where I was starting to think writing wasn't for me, and I have to rethink everything I've envisioned for my future. Out of nowhere, sometime in April, I got a notification on Facebook that my page had been mentioned. I clicked through and was astonished to find out that the page was nearly 10 million fans had posted on one of my older stories and had credited my own Facebook page as the content creator. Messages and likes came in droves, friend requests too. I didn't know what to do with all the newfound interest in my work, my creativity hadn't been piqued by it at all, but my enthusiasm had re-emerged. I chatted with people who messaged me, I gave advice to aspiring writers despite not really believing any of what I was saying. and. I even agreed to collaborate with another semi-well-known author on a piece at some point in the fall. 
As April progressed, more and more people were visiting my page and inhaling my old content. Each day, I'd spend hours replying to notifications and messages, sometimes holding ten real-time conversations at once. It felt good to be connecting with people again. It's something I hadn't really done at all since high school. That was almost 20 years ago. I grew close with a few of people who've been messaging me. People from all over the world, in fact. We chatted about nothing and everything, to use a cliche that I despise, but find impossible to avoid. The more we talked, the closer we got. There were about 25 people out of the hundreds who I really felt a connection with. I think it was mutual, too. We chatted together on Facebook, and then we started doing group emails. In May, Charles, one of the 25, suggested a meetup. Obviously, for some of them, it was impossible. Quite a few were way too far away for that to be possible for them. But eight or nine of us were all within 300 miles of one another. After working through some logistical issues, we made it happen. Seven people showed up. I got to meet the seven wonderful people, Charles, Lynn, Malcolm, Anita, Bay, Bay, Bev. Bev. <laughs> That's a weird line. <laughs> Bev, Melly, and Raj. We met up at a small restaurant in the Tribeca area of NYC. We chatted and laughed and had an all-around fantastic time. I enjoyed myself and my new friends more than I can even express, but it was Bev who really stood out. We'd grown close online, but I never had any hope of getting much closer than that. It all changed when we met. While we shared stories and jokes and beers around the table, Bev and I held hands. She squeezed my fingers with her own, and I stroked her wrist and toyed with her bracelet. During the brief glances we shared with one another, we both knew something special was happening. When it was obvious the night was coming to an end and everyone headed back to their respected hotels or homes, Bev and I remained together. We headed back to her hotel room and let things take natural course. Mm -hmm. It was truly wonderful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was just, just like a mini exquisite. Like a mini <laughs> yeah, just like the way we met. Maybe this contract was holding my hand. After it was all over, Bev got up from the bed to take a shower. I propped myself up with my laptop on my lap, happily reminiscing about the time not only she and I had spent together, but the time all eight of us had shared hours earlier. I decided to go on Facebook and leave individual messages for my new friends to show how much I appreciated them. When clicking through to where I needed to go, I'd realized I'd never even visited their pages before. We'd all just chatted either on my page or through email. I clicked on Malcolm's first. It was weird. A lot of his friends had posted some pretty depressing emo stuff on his wall. I wrote my little thank you paragraph and then headed over to Charles's page. Same thing, just sad stuff. I wrote my letter and moved on. Lynn, Raj, and Melly's were the same. A strange feeling started inside my chest and gradually bloomed outward while goose flesh prickled my limbs. I clicked on Anita's wall. More depressing messages. One in particular caught my eye. We'll always love you, Anita. You will always be our beautiful, sweet daughter. It was from her parents, dated in 2011. This feeling of discomfort and dread intensified. I went back to all the other pages I'd just been to and scrolled down, and all the depressing messages were from between 2009 and 2016. They all had something in common. They were saying some variant of goodbye. Doing my best to control my breathing, I navigated to one page I hadn't visited yet, Bev's. The message on her wall dated February 2nd, 2016. God bless you and keep you. You were taken from us far too soon, sweet girl. A loud thud sounded from the bathroom, causing me to jump. I got up, quietly asking, Bev? Bev, are you okay? 
No response. I walked slowly toward the bathroom, a sense of doom weighing down my body. I knocked on the door. No reply. Just the sound of water running. I turned the doorknob and entered the bathroom. The room was steamy and warm with an intense, unpleasant odor. Bev? I asked, my head starting to spin with fear. I gripped the shower curtain between my thumb and forefinger and carefully pulled it open. I screamed. Hot water streamed down the remains of a bloated, rotting corpse. Stringy, blonde hair was plastered to the side of a gray face with a purple tongue bulging through lips that looked like dark green banana slugs. Grayish, yellow slime drooled from her between her legs and puddled thickly near the drain. Before I could turn away and throw up, I saw the bracelet on her wrist that I'd played with at the restaurant. I heaved and retched into the toilet, trying to tell myself that this was all impossible and Beth was alive and normal and everything was okay. I closed my eyes and turned around to face the tub. I made the sign of the cross, opened my eyes, and nearly fainted with relief. The bathtub was empty. I inhaled. The smell, for the most part, was gone. I sank to the floor and tried to collect myself. The horror I'd felt was replaced with an immediate concern for my own mental health. I didn't know if I should call 911 right away or go to the hospital first thing in the morning and get checked out. I dragged myself to my feet and headed toward the bedroom to lie down for a few minutes, and as I was crossing between the rooms, I glanced in the garbage can next to the sink. My used condom sat inside like a deflated grub covered in grayish-yellow slime. Yo, he fucked the corpse! Well, he fucked like a zombie corpse. He fucked... He so fucked the corpse. So he fucked a ghost. He fucked a ghost. It was like an, all Hallows, it was like an all Hallows' Eve thing, except they maintained some kind of... Uh, some kind of physical remnant afterwards. And almost turned into a poltergeist there at the end. So, some Stephen King-level shit. <laughs> I liked it. The, the description. Except for that all, guy, I knew how to write it. Always anyway. dedicated to the description of uh, guts and shit. We got some more uh, unsettling stories for you. This is assisted suicide. This is gonna be. This sounds like a great fun it's, time. Sounds like what we were just talking about at the end of the other episode with the life support. Oh shit! Yeah, you're right. Fucking take me out, <laughs> Doctor Death. Yeah. Well, yeah. So maybe on the maybe on the weekends. Maybe on the weekends because <laughs> I play with anatomy. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah. Nice. <laughs> He'd, 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 he'd. <laughs> That's the first word. <laughs> he'd wait until... <laughs> God damn it. He'd wait until everyone was asleep before starting. I'd lie still and feign unconsciousness, but his voice would persist, weakly howling in terrible desperation as he pleaded with me, begged me, implored me to help him take his life. In the garish brightness of daylight, I talked to my loved ones about our sleepless nights. The pity on their faces was obvious, so too was the resigned helplessness. They knew there was nothing they could do. All the suffering had to be endured by him, and by association, me. I was his confidant. The only other person he felt comfortable speaking to, sobbing to, screaming to. I'd scream right now, but just not in the mood. <laughs> there was no mistaking the effects of the stress I'd brought on me. I'd gained weight, I'd gone on disability, I'd grown depressed, our doctors knew he had problems. They knew something. There was the word they used. Something was wrong with him. They just couldn't pinpoint what it was. That meant they couldn't do anything. Last night, we reached a breaking point. For hours, he screamed with impossible, ear-splitting power. 
He regaled me with detailed descriptions about the pain he was enduring, pain that my inaction was forcing upon him. The screams grew quiet as his energy evaporated, just like every other night. But rather than sobbing pathetically and begging, his tongue grew sinister. His words became violent. I'll kill you, he whispered. I'll tear you in half. My breath. My breath. My breath. My breath. My breath caught in my throat. He never said anything like that to me before. All the venomous contents of his words had always been directed toward himself. This was new. Terrifying. You're going to bleed to death. He informed me around a series of racking sobs. I feel like fucking Voldemort. <laughs> no, how you'll feel knowing you could have ended this, but didn't. Knowing you left the girls alone. The mention of the twins caused me to jump out of my bed with rage and indignation. He knew what he was doing. He finally figured out what it would take me for. A- oh my god. He'd finally figured out what it would take for me to acquiesce. The thought of Dominique and, Sh- Dominique and Shonda in foster care because of his hatefulness and my cowardice was too much to bear. Too much for any mother to bear. I started to cry while making the pepper. Pre- fucking shit. I started to cry while making the preparations I dreaded since the first night he began begging me to take his life. I didn't say a word to him as I got ready. Every so often he'd call out and ask what I was doing. I didn't reply. He was too weak to scream. Too exhausted. All he spoke were pathetic words and phrases like. Please. And it hurts so much. Words I'd heard over and over and over, but with them now was a sinister element of or else. I knew if I did what I wanted, I could have been thrown in jail. The twins would be without their mom, just like he'd threatened. But this way, at least I'd be alive. Also, if I was careful, I'd get my close friends to help me hide his body. They'd all but said they would do it in the past, and the darkest moments when I sought their comfort and month after months of restless nights. By the time everything was set up, he'd realized what was happening. He'd won. I felt sick. Part of me knew I was doing the right thing, that the suffering he endured was too much for anyone to have it to experience. But another part, a larger part, was doing it for another reason. I wanted him dead. I wanted him out of my life and out of my daughter's lives and out of the periphery of my friends and extended fam- family. I wanted my Annette. Autonomy. I was gonna say Annette. Anatomy. anatomy. Yeah, you did. You wanted your anatomy back, girl. <laughs> What is it? Autonom- autonomy. Autonomy. Mm-hmm. I wanted my autonomy back. We went into the bathroom where everything could be scrubbed clean. Sometime later, our eight months of sleepless agony were over. The screaming had stopped. The pleading had stopped. The agony had stopped. Nothing remained but me and his corpse and the blood. Blood in the tub. Blood on my hands. Blood on my thighs. Blood on the coat hanger. Oh my god. Oh my god! Fucking a coat hanger abortion. Holy shit! We just went there. I didn't see that coming. That's why I fucking reeled like a minute ago. Holy shit, dude! <laughs> I felt bad. You ran into that, and, and Ooh, that know, hit me like not, a fucking not truck. to like really nail it, but let's what's what's her daughter's names again? Dominique and Shonda. Yeah, Dominique She's and Shonda. <laughs> So hey, yo, Shonda, get your fucking black ass over Shonda, here. get your black ass down here, go. Well, at least you won't have a little brother. <laughs> Shit. Oh, oh my right. god. Let it, me read it. Hold on. It was eight months. She had an abortion at eight months. She did say there was a corpse. There wouldn't have been a corpse. Uh, yeah, I like know. three months. Yeah, that's know. where PT came from. PT? PT. Oh, that's great. 
Yeah. Yeah, totally. That's that's one of the that's like part of the background story. Yeah. I'm so upset that game did. We don't go there. Fuck Konami. Fuck Konami is now Sal. Konami. Yeah, they definitely are Sal. Fucking Sal. Man. Read one more unsettling stories. Cracks in the foundation. Things turned sour between my wife and I before we were married. Before our marriage was even recognized by our state, in fact, there was too much mistrust. Too many incidents from our respective pasts had bubbled up to demand our attention, but we soldiered on. The gesture of our marriage we agreed was more important than the fraying of our bond. After the months dragged on, we worked to rekindle the essential elements of our relationship. For the most part, we were successful. Janelle's sharp edges, honed by the coarseness of our interactions over our most difficult times, began to dull. Mine, too, softened. For a while, things felt good, comforting, familiar. Familiarity, though, would beget slothfulness. It's what I'd worried would happen. Every night when we were curled up together in our bed, Janelle would snore and I'd be plagued by fear. It was the fear of inevitability. No matter how well things were going, once we got our wheels back in the familiar rut of our old routines, I knew our foundation would resume its inexorable deterioration. There was only so much damage it could endure before everything we'd worked to build would topple. We both felt pangs of stress before either of us articulated our concerns. Janelle started drinking again. She wouldn't stumble around drunkenly, but not a day went by when I didn't smell it on her breath. She made no attempt to hide it. I, too, regressed. I was overeating, just like how I'd done before we met, when food was the only way I could escape the reality of my depression. I fist-bumped the air. When Janelle and I started our relationship, I was elated. My self-loathing melted away, taking the 25 pounds with it. But each time our connection felt like it was weakening, the first thing I turned to for comfort was junk food. Now I down a pound of ice cream every night while she polishes off a bottle of wine. That sounds like the fucking dream. I want to eat a pint of <laughs> If it wasn't for our sex life, I think our relationship would have ended after our first fight. But I freely admit, we're hedonists. We escape reality through physical gratification, whether it's food for me, alcohol for her, or sex for both of us. The pleasure we give one another has always purged the most toxic of the venom from our respective battle wounds. We both knew it was escapism. Neither of us cared. We needed to feel good, and we had the ability to provoke that feeling in one another. I've been there. In a relationship. It sucks. This morning, we were sitting at the breakfast table and drinking our coffee. As I'd always expected, but never anticipated, Janelle announced her intention to leave me. I didn't say anything. I just stared into my coffee, the black liquid, and the white mug defocusing and hazing as tears filled my eyes. I asked her if she'd finally chosen Alana over me. She nodded and began to sob. We didn't talk much after that. Oh, shit. After a few uh, hours ago, as Janelle was packing, she came over to where I was sitting and hugged me. She held me for a long time. I sat motionless, doing my best not to bawl, but she wouldn't let go. I hated her. She kissed my cheek, my ear, my jawline. I felt warmth between my thighs. I hated my body. I turned and met her kisses. After less than a minute, we were undressed. Her tongue explored me, and I writhed beneath her ministrations, despising her cowardice and antipathy toward our relationship, while I clutched her head and ground her against her mouth. (laughs) 
I shuddered and saw flashes of our earlier life together as I came, my pleasure decaying into oversensitivity as I pulled her by the hair to stop her rough tongue from scraping over any more of me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Janelle's face wore a rictus of self-satisfaction and wanton lust. I could smell her arousal and knew it would be my opportunity to finally give her what she needed. My final opportunity to get what I craved. I wasn't gentle with her. It was what she'd always asked for, but I would refuse to provide. This last time, though, she could have it all. I scratched, I bit, pulled her hair, she arched her back, and mewled in mindless pleasure, which only infuriated and further motivated me. Mules became moans, moans became screams, and screams became gasps after her muscles tensed and she collapsed on the sofa wide-eyed and sweating. She lay on her back, splayed, dripping, and utterly exposed. I kissed her forehead and watched, transfixed, as warmth drooled from her inviting, slit throat. Oh, so he killed her. Fuck yeah, it did. <laughs> I knew where that was going. So did I. Yeah, yeah it was fun. It, it was, was yeah, like a, it was a good like adventure. Good, it was like the good husband or like the stepfather or something. It's good. I like these. Oh. And I, I realize I realize now I I got so many more of them when I found the website. So let's call yeah. let's uh let's we're gonna we're gonna take a quick break here here we're gonna hear back from our sponsors. For today's the sponsors for today's episode are Mario's Pizza for being fucking tasty delicious. For this J money, <laughs> with my disco D. Yeah, dude. Fine, 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 fine. So we're not reading troll pastas today. I just fucking want pizza, man. But we are gonna read more unsettling stories. All right. This is a uh, my react, my reaction. <laughs> God damn it! Off to a great start. Right. My erection lasted longer than four hours. I didn't call a doctor. <laughs> Why would you? Because you were using it, boy. Don't don't, was, don't build me up that much, champ. I was using it last night for like five hours. Bag, humble bag. I would be dead if I fucked for five hours. I'll just start <laughs> by saying I didn't have health insurance. I was couldn't afford ask, it. I was gonna ask Mr. Anyway, Scully when I started bones. dating Mar, <laughs> God damn it! Start from the top. I'll just start by saying I didn't have health insurance. Couldn't afford it. Anyway, when I started dating Marie, I was worried our age difference would be a problem. So before our third date, when I figured things might get physical, I asked my buddy if he'd let me have one of his Viagra pills. He obliged. The date went wonderfully. The time in my apartment afterward went even better. I'll keep it classy and just say she was impressed by more than just my huge aquarium. That's not a euphemism, by the way. I have a really cool aquarium. Of course, if I'd gotten rid of it after mom died, I probably could have afforded health insurance. But I'm getting off topic. As the night came to a close and Marie was saying goodbye because she had, uh, had to work early, I realized I was still, well, aroused. For lack of a better term, my cock was harder than trying to put a dry sock on a wet foot. Marie, to her credit, took it as a compliment. She left, and I was alone. Alone with it. I did what I could to bring it down, and yes, that means what you think it does. A half hour... And 300 porn clips later, there was another successful firing. I cleaned up and went to make something to eat. The image of a 44-year-old man sporting a turgid erection as he makes a sandwich is not one I'd like you to hold on to. But for the purposes of this story, it's kind of important. So I'm sorry about that. 
But as the sandwich was built, I became increasingly aware that I might be having a legitimate, legitimate medical issue. I stood in the kitchen trying to eat, but I had a hard time focusing on the pastrami. A different meat was on my mind. Yeah, roast beef. Oh shit. <laughs> with a growing sense of a co- <laughs> growing, with a growing sense of concern, I waddled back to my computer desk. Here's a tip. Yeah, tip. If you ever want to feel disgusted, do a search for priapism. See, it threw you off, too. Priapism. Do a search for priapism. Still throwing me off. I've never searched it, so... (laughs) Neither have I. Even better, do a search for untreated priapism. You'll be regaled with images of poor guys who, for whatever reason, had erections that wouldn't go down. Over time, the blood trapped in there went bad, and the organ began to rot. It turns purple, then black. The sufferer not only can lose his dick... But could die of blood poisoning if all the nasty stuff goes into his bloodstream. Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah, this is pretty cool. I didn't want to lose my dick. I didn't want to die. But I also didn't want to want to have to declare bankruptcy. As much as I was terrified of my condition, I simply couldn't afford to go to the ER. So after more Googling, I realized what I had to do. I'm not see. I don't like where this is going. Why? I don't like where this is going. He's going to stab something in his dick to drain the blood. I don't like where this is going. Why do you make me? These. You have to find fun. Mom died in 2014. She was diabetic. I'd gotten rid of most of her medical stuff, but I still had some. Of the sum, one thing was relevant to this particular story. A needle. Yes, and again, I'm sorry. I sterilized the head of my... I can't do it! I can't do it! I sterilized the head of my penis with some rubbing alcohol, and before I could lose my nerve, I stuck it in and pulled on the <sighs> Having my hog sucked had never been so painful. The hypodermic needle filled with dick blood. When it was full, it was obvious the head gotten smaller. I squirted <laughs> blood down the sink, then did it twice more. Nice. He's when all was said and done, my soggy Swiss cheese glands sat at the end of my shaft like a beanie on the <laughs> tip of a pool cue. I don't like this. The shaft was a major problem. Besides the pain in my glands from the needle marks, the shaft itself ached terribly. Yep. I'd been about seven hours since Marie and I started fooling around. Everything I read online said eight hours was the absolute limit before irreversible damage would occur. I had to hurry. Try as I might, I couldn't get the needle to work properly in the shaft. Most of it was the pain, which was a thousand times worse than I'd been on the tip, but the other part was how the biology of that area is. It's not just a basic tube that can be emptied and filled. It's more like a sponge with many chambers I which fill with so blood much. then clamp shut. Why? It's making your dick hurt? Yeah! Oh, my dick hurts, part two. <laughs> Everyone's not excited. I could empty a chamber or two with the needle, but I'd have to stick myself hundreds of times to get it done. <sighs> I simply didn't have the time, plus I was terrified of further injuring myself if I pushed the needle too deep. I started to panic and I felt myself getting dizzy. Some of it was from the pain, certainly, but to this day I swear I'd already started to get poisoned. That freaked me out even more, short of stabbing my cock over and over and over with a needle. I was probably destroying my organ in the process, another part of me worried that in my panic I'd break the needle off inside. I was good up until that point. It wasn't was going to happen. Good. I'd rather die. Me too. Panic mixed with despair as I knew I'd probably have to call 911. 
I cradled my face in my hands and cried for a minute, then got up and headed toward the phone. As I passed the aquarium, I stopped. The exotic fish stared, no doubt judging me. I didn't care. <laughs> I'd figured something out, something that in my haze of fear and panic seemed reasonable. Now a year later, I can barely comprehend how I took the next step. The biggest fish in my tank, the red-eared stunfish, had a special diet. Oh Regular fish food won't do. No, the red-eared sunfish needs to eat leeches. Oh my god. And in the small refrigerator next to the aquarium, I had a box of them. My dizziness had grown severe, and I dropped to my knees and opened the little fridge, pulled out the box, stuffed my hand in it, and pushed a handful of the writhing black leeches against my awful, blood-filled dick. The last sight I had before passing out was the biggest of the leeches pushing its mouth against my shaft. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I was out for, for hours. Mm -hmm. When I woke up, it was morning. For a brief moment, I was confused. I couldn't remember why I was on the floor. To my credit, it all came flooding back pretty quickly. I gasped and jumped to my feet. Here's another tip. If you had leeches sucking on your dick for a few hours, don't jump to your feet. I felt terrible pain as the engorged leeches, unable to support their own weight, were ripped off my body, all but one which had attached itself to my pubic area and could rest its weight on the base of my penis, dropping onto the hardwood floor. Two of them burst like blood-filled water balloons, while the other three just writhed pathetically. I shrieked and slapped at the one connected to me. It flew off, hit the side of the aquarium, and splattered. As disgusted as I was, I felt intense and overwhelming relief. My stupid, tiny, flaccid dick hung from me like a newborn doorstop. <laughs> I poked it a couple times, amazed that it still had feeling. Its color looked decent enough. Somehow, despite doing everything wrong and doing things out of panic that I would never consider it otherwise, my dick had survived. And so had I. Good for him. So that's about it. Later that night, I gave the thing a test firing. It worked. Then, as I waited with bated breath, it returned to its normal, pathetic size. No harm, no foul. I have to admit, though, I still have a hard time receiving oral sex without thinking of those leeches. And I guess maybe now you will, too. Ah, uh, jokes on you! I don't have anyone to do that! Ah, it's a good Dracula's lonely. Mrs. Skellybone's got anything to add? Tuned in and out of that story the good, entire time. Did it like, good. you? And it, and it wasn't like because dick. of his wailing. Like I was, in, I was interested in why he was freaking out. I heard it was like dick, pool, needles, break off, flaccid, and I was like, I'm, just gonna keep, I'm like, I'm gonna keep reading my manga instead. It's not as disgusting <laughs> as the story manga. currently. Poof. I was just enjoying him the All entire right, so time. So this is gonna be the last one. Why do you do this to me? I don't know. It's fun. No. So this could be the last story on this on this uh, episode. Far too much sex. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. From unsettling stories. My wife's going to be the death of me. The thought preoccupied me for almost eight weeks. All she cared about was sex. And it's not like I'm some kind of Adonis or even particularly good in bed either. Something just clicked one day and she became utterly insatiable. I'm 90% sure it's because of that vegan diet we started two months ago with all the mushrooms and stuff. <laughs> but the diet's effects on me was nothing compared to how she reacted. She never seemed interested in analyzing the reasons. She just knew what she wanted, and that's all there was to it. At first, I thought it was great. She'd been waiting for me in bed when I got home from work. We'd have a few minutes of fun, and that was that. For me, at least. Diana, it seemed, needed more than I could give her. I felt pretty bad because I wasn't able to provide it. 
I know part of my terrible performance had to do with my diet. It had been awful. Since I'm so busy with work, I'd been stress-eating fast food and other processed garbage. Even though I was eating the vegan stuff too, I'd supplement it with Burger King. I'd gained weight. I felt awful. And I was tired all the time. When Diana's insatiability became apparent and my own inability to satisfy her was weighing heavily on my confidence, I set out to get healthier. I mean, it was the least I could do, not only for Diana, but for my own well-being. It's work, too. The last week had been incredible. I'd taken time off work, I've exercised every day, and all my meals are healthy, vegan, and loaded with good stuff like kale and quinoa, and tons of local mushrooms. I think Diana was pleased with the positive changes in me, although her sex drive was still astronomical, and hard for me to match. I felt better about myself and enjoyed our lovemaking a lot more. There was just less pressure, if that makes sense. Last night was our anniversary, so I wanted to do something special, something non-vegan as a treat. I made steaks with portmelo novo and a peppercorn cream sauce. I remember laughing to myself as I reduced the pan sauce and plated our meals. Diana always used to be allergic to mushrooms, deathly allergic in fact. I don't know what compelled her to serve them for dinner a couple months ago when we started doing the vegan thing, but the difference it made was staggering. Ever since she went to bed that night, she'd been a different woman. I brought our meals up to the bedroom. Diana was waiting for me. She looked beautiful, sexy too. She was sprawled across the bed on her back. This dude's fucking a dead body. Yeah, <laughs> presenting herself to me. It was her favorite position ever since her drive <clears throat> skyrocketed. I told her to hold her horses. She could wait until after dinner. She didn't reply. Oh, yeah, but did. she let me feed her bits of steak and mushrooms. I emptied her perfect mouth of the food I'd put there at dinner the night before and replaced oh, it with our anniversary meal. My head spun with love and affection as I carefully pushed a piece of juicy steak down her throat. I marveled at how the hot meal warmed her mouth. After dinner, I could no longer resist my wife's allure. We made quiet love in our candlelit bedroom. When we were finished, as I was tucking her into bed, I noticed small growths in her armpits and behind her ears. I turned on the light and looked more closely. Tiny stringy mushrooms, new life. I smiled. We were going to be a family. <laughs> I like the happy ending. Yeah. <laughs> I look at it. And it's like, oh, I, you know, ah, oh, that's great. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Why is my children? <laughs> so, are you? So good? that was the last story. We, we, I'm, I'm good. Not. I actually, I meant to tell you this before we started. Is I got feedback yesterday, like good feedback, and apparently people were like, make troll pastas in every once in a while thing. Not really. Not, in every not everything. Thing. Get out. All right. Well. No. Right, Apparently we're we're funny enough without without just being the troll stupid. pasta. Yeah, yeah. Skeleton pasta. Um, skeleton pasta. You know that's our troll pasta. There you go. I think it's I think it should become an every other thing for me and you. Yeah. So that was uh, that was the last story. That was the last uh, unsettling story we told this evening. Uh, really, I I always love making you read stories about dicks. Um, Stop. Things Don't with even sex. Talk about it, and, dude. You know, um, it's mainly it's not even sex. I don't care about that. It's just it's just things getting jammed into dicks yeah. and like sounding. Yeah. And like no, mm-hmm. it's just no. Anytime yeah. we see something on like Reddit on the messed up part of Reddit where it's yeah. just like man cuts off his own dick or something like yeah. that, it's just like hide permanently hide, <laughs> never looking at that. I'm glad you feel that way, uh, Mr. Skellybones. You listened in maybe a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> got, any, got anything to add? 
I really just I toned out a lot of it. <laughs> I was really, really engrossed in my own book, but like I said, the only part I heard, only like, I heard a few stories, but like... You're mostly. reading a horror manga? No, it's action, isn't it? It's a more it's like action, horror elements. Gruesome torture, yeah. kind of like weird shit. But, like, read it. It's a lot more gruesome than the anime, which, I mean, is usually the, the case, but... So far, it's good. <laughs> you fucking weebs. <laughs> weeb, 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 weeb. He embraces Goddamn it. Weebs, I'm like weeb. I'm like, look at my background. Look at my background on my phone. <laughs> Same. So good. Uh, you guys are good. Uh, oh. Anything you want to add, Disco D? Can we never read a story about dicks ever again? I don't. I can't promise that. I know you can. It's okay. Mm-hmm. I cannot. So, uh, just gonna fucking hear me scream into the microphone some some more and just kick my feet and just hope yeah, for you a were better shaking. place. Yeah, you were shaking a little bit there. You yeah, were, dude. You were rocking back and forth <laughs> on this couch. I'm sure we're gonna be able to pick it up on the microphone. <laughs> I hope so. Your movement. Yeah, just like, just like a... Just some kind of, like, soft, like... Yeah, it's just like a, a the fab, my jeans rubbing across the couch. So, uh, we're out. This is it. It's been real, daddy-o. <laughs> Yeah, signing off. Do, 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 do. God damn it, don't fucking touch me. (laughs) (laughs) He touched my belly. (laughs) I don't like it. (laughs) Get off of me. (laughs) I hate you. Let's go eat food. Okay. Smoke so much weed you wouldn't believe And I get more